this out real quick. Well, as a part of our pride worship today, we have a reading called the Beatitudes of Pride, read by three of our amazing people. I'm going to ask you all if you would please like let us know your name and your pronouns, and then uh, you can start reading. I am Theo. I am he, him. Matthew Young, he, him. Anna, she, her. Blessed are you, lesbian, gay, queer, bi, trans, plus, plus, plus siblings, and our straight allies and friends. You were made in the image of divine love. Blessed are you when you dare to bring the truth of who you are into loving relationship with others. You heal and strengthen the global community. Blessed are you who challenge stereotypes and caricatures. You bring light to the world. Blessed are you who speak out against religious hypocrisy. You help to birth justice and peace. Blessed are you when you work for full equality and inclusion. You honor the sacredness of all people. Blessed are you when you create new kinds of families, formed by love rather than by law. You live the truth that all God's people are one family. Blessed are you who seek to worship in spirit and in truth, whose prayers arise from humble hearts. The spirit of holiness will inspire and guide you. Blessed are you who offer comfort to the dying, healing to the sick, food to the hungry, housing to the homeless, presence to the lonely, hope to the hopeless. You are the religious message our aching world so desperately needs to know. Blessed are you, reviled and persecuted, yet persistent in faith, hope and love. Rejoice and be proud, for in you God's love is revealed. John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. Join together in thanks for the LGBTQIA members of this community and for the gifts they have been given by God and share so graciously. Thank you all. Well, we have a special treat for you all today. We have a guest preacher, someone I met a few years ago, I think at a party, via a mutual friend. And um, he, his name is Jean Carlos. I'll let him tell you more about himself. He does many things. But one of the cool things to know is there's this other church in Minneapolis that is also a very, uh, I don't know, progressive, for lack of a better term, um, United Methodist Church in Minneapolis. And Jean Carlos goes there. Jean Carlos preaches there. This church is led by queer people of color. They are so cool. They're doing amazing things there. And so we borrowed Jean Carlos today, and he's visiting, and he will be giving the message today. One thing I would love to tell you is that Jean Carlos is coming very generously, giving his time, his energy, and all of who he is to this message. He does this professionally, and we were able to offer him a little bit for all of that he's giving. But I would love to ask you all to, if you're able, we're also receiving an offering today for Jean Carlos. If you have cash, change, you want to give to him, this says, 
love for Jean-Carlos, and that's exactly what this is, is this tangible love back to him for the love he will share with us today. Also, he has a Venmo, so if you would like to, if you'd rather do something via Venmo, come find me afterwards, and I can help you connect to that. But um, let's go ahead and start by welcoming Jean-Carlos. Thank you, Katie. Hey, everybody. Let me just get settled here. How are we doing today? Ooh, look at that sun. I just got back last night from Puerto Rico, and we, were, uh, we, we love the shade there. Uh, <laughs> we were running from the sun. Hey, everybody. My name is Jean Carlos. I use he and pronouns. I'm so excited to be with you today. Um, happy Pride. I want you to know that no matter your sexual orientation, your gender identity or expression, or even your faith background, that God sees you, that God knows you, and that God loves you just as you are. And today, as we start, I, wanna, I just want to begin with a foundational truth, a basic truth that we are going to build from. And that truth is this, that the promises of God are not just for straight people that the promises of God are for all people. The promises of God are for our queer neighbors, our gay neighbors, our lesbian neighbors, our trans neighbors, our non-binary neighbors. The promises of God are for everyone. Because I believe that if the good news is not good news for everyone, then it's not good news at all. But that this good news is actually good news for us all. Amen? Also, I'm a little bit like, uh, I'm Puerto Rican, so I'm just going to teach you a couple things. So if you like something I say, you can like snap. Uh, let's practice snapping right now. Snap, snap, snap. If I say something good, you can say amen. Say amen. 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 Okay, we're going to get a little bit more Puerto Rican up in here, if that's okay with you. Um, and, and, and today what I want to talk to you about is something that's really near and close to my heart. Today I want to talk to you about the safety of God the safety of God. And my hope for you is simple. My hope for you is that in, in a world full of fear, that God would be your safety. That in a world full of hate, that God would be our truest home. That in a world full of shame, that God would be our refuge and that every child of God deserves to feel safe. Amen? Um, and so I, I want to begin a little bit with my, my story. So uh, I gave my life to Jesus at a vacation Bible school. Anybody vacation Bible school? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We had uh, mud. We ate mud. You know what I'm talking about? That's like pudding with gummy worms and crushed Oreos. It's, it's a traditional food here in Minnesota. Um, and I gave my life to Jesus at, at a vacation Bible school in Iowa. I admitted I was a sinner. I believed Jesus died and rose again, and I confessed him as Lord. That was the ABCs. And I began my relationship with God. Uh, in middle school, I would learn to follow Jesus and love Jesus. My, I'd learn to pray and worship and go to youth group and conferences and mission trips. And, and that's really where God was my friend. Uh, I remember, uh, if you can imagine me in middle school, um, I, was, uh, I was a lot cuter than I am now, um, but I wasn't very cool. I, 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 I wasn't very cool. I didn't have that many friends. Um, but here I was in the back of a school bus with my, you know, my iPod Nano, you know, with the click wheel, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, listening to worship music and praying. And even if others didn't see me, God saw me. 
And even if others didn't understand me, God understood me. And I had this real relationship with God. And in high school, I, I began to lead and serve and do ministry. Uh, three, three of my friends and I, we started a Bible study at our school. And we grew that group from four people in the first year to 60 people. And then from 60 people, we grew that group all the way up to 30 people because we had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea. We had never done ministry before. I never preached before. I was not very good. Um, we were not very good. We were learning what it meant to do ministry, what it meant to love our school. But by the time I graduated high school, we had grown our group to up to 200 people in our auditorium. And not only had we done that, we had helped start groups, student-led campus ministries in other high schools. At the end of those five years of, in, of being in that ministry, we had seen up to 50 high schools start a student-led campus ministry. And I tell you that not as a humble brag. I tell you that not because I peaked in high school. I tell you that because at the same time as I was seeing God do some incredible things, it was the same time I realized I was gay. And when you're coming from an evangelical, non-denominational context, realizing you're gay is not good news. Realizing you're gay is terrifying. Realizing you're gay is something to be afraid of, something to hide, something to be ashamed of. And when I told my best friend that I was gay, I was not just telling him something. I was confessing a sin. And I remember being in that time, seeing God do so, so many incredible things in me and around me. And I remember committing myself that if I was going to follow Jesus, I was going to do everything I could to not be gay. And if you're gay and you do everything you can to not be gay, um, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And it's also ineffective. <laughs> you're still gay. Um, it's worth noting that by the grace of God, I have at times become more loving, more kind, more generous, but I've never become more straight. By the grace of God, I've become less greedy, less selfish, but I've never become less gay. I asked God to make me straight, and God, she said no. And so in that season, I did everything I could to, to, to focus on the ministry, because maybe that would make me less gay. I, I remember, you know, going to school 20 hours a week and then doing ministry for 40 hours a week and just overworking myself to the point of a couple years later, just deeply burning out having a, a really great depression, a lot of disillusionment, dropping out of school, not only once, but twice, and then kind of coming to my, live with my parents back in Minnesota with, with not much going on in my life. And it felt so hard because I served Jesus and it all kind of hit the fan. But at the same time, that was the most beautiful thing that could happen to me because when you're not preaching, when you're not on a stage, when you don't have a mic <laughs> wired to your face, you can start to be honest. You can start to be authentic. You can start to realize what's been there all along. And I remember I, I, uh, I, I came back to Minnesota with my life in, in shambles, and, and I, I was invited to this church that met in a bar in St. Paul. It was a progressive church. It was accepting of queer people before I accepted queer people, before I accepted myself. And it was a place where I could say, you know, I think I'm 50% gay and 50% straight, and my community said, we love you, we accept you. And then a couple months later, I would be like, you know, I think I'm 70% gay, 30% straight. And my community would say, that's, that's great. We love you, we accept you just as you are. And then a couple months later, I'd say, you know, guys, I think I'm 90% gay and 10% straight. And as I'm saying these things, 
even though my community says, yeah, we accept you, we affirm you, I'm realizing, who am I fooling? Who am I kidding? <laughs> who am I trying to trick? I'm gay. But the thing is, realizing that I was gay, realizing that I was not going to marry some cute Christian girl one day, meant that I had to do something with that reality. I had to decide. And the decisions before me were threefold. Number one, I could follow Jesus and not be gay. But that was killing me. That was killing my love for others, killing my love for God, killing my love for myself. I, I, it was causing me to be miserable and honestly to have a bitterness between my relationship between me and God. Option two is I could not follow Jesus and be gay. And in some ways, this felt a little liberating. I could finally get rid of this framework that was causing me so much pain. But I love Jesus. Like, I love Jesus. Like, he was my close friend in elementary school and middle school. He was on the back of the school bus with me. He was with me in high school when I led and, and preached for the first time. He was with me in college when my life fell apart. I love Jesus. To let go of Jesus, to give up on Jesus, would be to give up on an important part of who I am. It would be leaving something as sacred as my sexuality with my spirituality. And option three was the scariest of them all. Option three was I could follow Jesus and be gay. And this option was scary because really smart people, really religious people told me that that simply was not possible. A, a gay Christian was an oxymoron. And, and, and I was told by my pastors, by my leaders, in so many different contexts that that simply was not something I could do. And I remember the fear. And I just want you to know that in these three questions was life and death, heaven and hell. And you can imagine the stress that could put on an individual. The fear and the shame of what to do, what to choose. And I remember having that fear, having that, that worry, having that stress one night. And I lived with my parents and my mom came to wish me goodnight. And she could see that something was wrong. She could see that I was not okay. And I remember she asked, she, she asked me what was wrong. And I told her, Mom, I don't think I'm bi. I don't, I don't think I'm going to find a cute Christian girl one day. I think I'm gay. I'm just gay, Mom. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just gay. And I remember my mom seeing me and loving me. I remember her embracing me and accepting me exactly as I was. And I remember that moment experiencing real love like true love, like the kind of love you can't manufacture or fake. Authentic love, unadulterated love. And I remember in that moment coming to a conviction that I hold to this day. And that conviction is this. I cannot believe in a God that is less loving than my mom. I cannot believe in a God that is less generous, expansive, and kind than my human mother. But instead, I understand that the love that my mom showed me that day. That love was just a glimpse of the love that my heavenly mother has always had for me. It was a glimpse of the love that God had always had for me. And so in that moment, I began accepting myself. I began accepting myself. Um, but about a month later, something really hard happened. I received very bad news. Um, I had cancer. And not just any cancer, I had a rare form of soft tissue cancer right around here. 
uh, a tumor, um, that about 10 to 12 people in the U.S. get a year. Very, very rare. And so that prompted a very important question to my pastor on the phone. Is God giving me cancer because I'm gay? Is God giving me cancer because I finally accepted myself and came out of the closet? Is that what God looks like? Is that what the divine is all about? And I remember being in this season, my older brother had passed away due to cancer when I was nine and he was 10. So cancer was a really hard word in my family. And I remember in this season, literally going to about four surgeries, some of them I had to go under, and thinking maybe I should, right before I go under, right before the anesthesia, maybe I should like apologize, ask God for forgiveness for being gay repent of that sin so that maybe if I die during surgery, at least I'd go to heaven. Is that what God looks like? Is that what following Jesus is about? Is God a place of fear or is God a place of safety? And I remember in that season, my pastor telling me, no, Jean, God is not giving you cancer because you're gay. God doesn't give anybody cancer. Moreover, you have believed your entire life that who you were was sin, that who you were was shame, that who you were was something to be afraid of, something to run away from, and it's going to take some time. You're going to have to give yourself some time to heal from everything you've believed. And, um, and in that season, I began to love myself again. And I began to believe in a God that, I could be safe in a God that could be my refuge, a God that could be my shelter, a God that I could run to and not run from. And I don't have cancer anymore. But I'm proud to say that I, I, didn't, I didn't need to ask God for forgiveness for who he made me to be. I have a God who loves me exactly as I was. And today what I want to look at is I want to look at a God that is our hiding place, a God that is our safety, a God that we can actually not have fear of. I, I, I want us to look at, uh, I want us to start by defining safety. Now, if you go to the dictionary, safety is the absence of danger, injury, or harm. Uh, but, but today, I, I want us to simplify that by saying that we are safe when we have nothing to fear. We are safe when we, are when we have nothing to fear. And I want to look at a passage. Now, I'll be honest with you. I want you to see this theme everywhere in Scripture. The theme of safety, of God as our refuge, is everywhere. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. But today, I want to look at specifically Psalm 46. And I just want us to read this. But I don't just want us to read this over our lives. I want us to read this over trans people. I want us to read this over non-binary people. I want us to read this over all queer people who deserve this as their birthright of, as children as God. So let's, let's read Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Now, I just want to stop right there. I have to admit that we have been called to be communities of faith, but so many times churches have been communities of fear. So many times churches have been the exact place where we are most afraid of God, most afraid of ourselves. There are some of you here who have deconstructed your faith. And as you've asked those big questions, there's this fear. 
What if you believe the wrong thing? What if you do the wrong thing? What if, what if God won't love you, accept you if you believe the wrong thing? What if answering the wrong multiple choice test on a doctrine test will lead to God's presence leaving your life? Like the amount of trauma and the amount of danger that is found in churches today is unacceptable. But here we find that because of who God is, we don't have to fear. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. That's the kind of safety that God wants in your bones. God, I mean, do you know what the most common command in all of Scripture, the most repeated refrain in all of Scripture, it's not, it's not love your neighbor, it's not pray, it's not read your Bible. The most common command in all of Scripture is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why would God have to tell us to not be afraid? Because our world is so characterized by fear. Our world is so characterized by shame. Our world is so characterized by being afraid of the future, being afraid of our, uh, the other, being afraid of our neighbor, being afraid of the stranger, being afraid of queer people. The world is full of fear. And God, our God, is here to say, do not be afraid. I'll be your refuge. I'll be your strength. And we, we keep going. In Psalm 46, verse 9, he says, He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so what we see in scripture is this promise of safety. This promise that God is someone we can run to, not something we have to run from. God is our shepherd that we can actually trust in, not a stranger that leads us as sheep to be slaughtered. And I think the reality is, is that, I, I have to be honest with you, queer people don't feel safe in many churches. Queer people don't feel safe in lots of parts of the world. There are places where my husband and I cannot hold hands. There are places where I can't kiss my husband. There are places where we are not safe, where I have to introduce him as my brother or my friend. And you know, we like to think that those places are overseas or somewhere else, but there are places in Minnesota where my husband and I are not safe. There are churches in Minnesota where my husband and I are not safe, and that is a tragedy. Every child of God deserves to feel safe. Amen? Every child of God deserves to feel safe. And so what I want to look at is safety in a couple levels. Uh, number one is each and every one of us deserves to feel safe in our bodies. And some of you have experienced trauma, some because of family, some because of church, but you deserve in your bones to not have to be afraid. The next level, of course, is that we deserve to feel safe in our community, in our world. What I need you to understand is that the safety of our neighbor is our business. The safety of our neighbor is our business. We are our brother's keeper. We cannot love our neighbor and watch them not receive health care. We cannot love our neighbor and watch laws made to oppress them. We cannot love our neighbors and watch their rights and their well-being and their safety stripped from them. The safety of our neighbors is our business. But then furthermore, the safety, every, every person deserves to feel safe in church. 
Do you know that this should be the safest place on earth? Do you know that this place right here should be the place of deepest grace? This place right here should be the place of least judgment. This place right here should be the place with the most authentic humility. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. This place should be the place where anyone in our community, anyone in Cottage Growth, anyone in Minnesota can come here and find real welcome, real acceptance, real love. And lastly, every child of God deserves to feel safe in God herself. Like God is, so, there is, there is, there is a way of believing and living where even when you face cancer, you're not afraid. There is a way of believing and living where even when you face unemployment, when you face uh, a disease, when you face a, a danger, real danger, that even if the earth give way, even if the mountains shake, even if they jump into the sea, that you, yes, you are safe. One of my favorite lines of a song by John Foreman is, two things you told me that you are strong and you love me. I believe that if you look at most of scripture, one of the greatest things that God wants for you is a deep and abiding sense of safety. In the midst of danger, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of oppression, in the midst of marginalization, in the midst, I don't, I have to be honest with you, I don't know who's going to win the next election. I don't know what laws are going to get passed. I don't know if hate will win more and more in our world. I don't know if it's going to get better or worse. But I can tell you that there is a promise of a deep and abiding safety that we all have access to. A safety that queer people have been disenfranchised of. I know queer people that are afraid of God. When God should be the place where their fears end. God should be the place where they find refuge and rest. God should be their hiding place. And when we find God as our hiding place, we don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to be someone or something else. We can be exactly who God made us to be. And so I want to close with this. A couple years ago, um, I was kind of mad at God. Uh, I was angry about the church, truthfully. Um, here I am believing in Jesus, but churches in our own city won't accept and affirm queer people. And I was mad. I was, I was angry. And I went to one of my favorite places in all the world, uh, the Como Conservatory. And it was in the middle of winter. It was uh, like negative something outside and the bitter cold. But if you've been to the Como Conservatory, it could be negative 20 outside with windshield. But in the Como Conservatory, it will be 80 degrees and humid. Outside, things could be dead and dying, but inside, things are alive and coming to life. Outside, things could be bitter and cold, but inside, they have no, no, no awareness of what's happening outside. And I remember being there and journaling, and I remember God telling me, it's not your job to yell at the cold. It's not your job to be angry at the winter. It's not your job to persuade the winter to stop being so bitter and cold. Your job is to live. Your job is to thrive. Your job is to be in a community, in a space where life is possible, where you can be exactly who you are. Friends, I don't, I don't control what other churches do. I don't control what happens in Florida. I don't know who's going to win the next election, but we can create a refuge. We can create a place where every queer person and trans person is seen and safe. We can create a place where even though it's cold and bitter outside, it's warm and safe inside. Friends, 
We have a God who is a refuge. We have a God that we can find safety in. We have a God where we don't have to be afraid. And so my prayer for you is, in a world of fear, here, why, don't you, why don't you put your hands out in front of you? I want you to receive a blessing. In a world of fear, may God be your safety. In a world full of hate, may God be your truest home. In a world of shame, may God be your refuge. Because every child of God deserves to feel safe. Amen. Thank you.